spent my whole life just burdened for something. Hungering for something, thirsting after, chasing this thing that I couldn't put my finger on ultimately. I was abused by older people, some in the family, some outside of the family. So as I got older, I always talked back. I always got into fights. My whole world was surrounded by guns and drugs and gangs. I remember in front of all my friends, just telling them to watch this. And as a lady uh, was driving down the street, I jumped in the middle of the street and pointed the gun right at her just to see her panic and freak out. And it was just me seeking power. By 16, I was getting high on a daily basis and got involved with a woman after woman after woman. And you know, when you mix drugs, you mix alcohol, you mix youth, it's cause for an explosion. was really concerned about me. I remember she just grabbed a Bible and said, I don't know what to do, but you just need to read this Bible. You know, I remember taking the pages of the Bible and just ripping them out and throwing them on the ground and saying, I don't care about your God. I don't care about this. This isn't mean anything to me. I was in a really dark place. I was really lonely, really depressed. And a friend of mine reached out and invited me to a conference. And I'm thinking, why not? My mind was blown when I got there. I had never seen anything like it. I saw guys with, with bullet wounds and ex-gang members who loved Jesus. And I had never seen anything like that before. And so, uh, I was intrigued. i never forget the pastor. You know, he started talking about Jesus and, and talking about him in an intense way that I had never thought about before. I had never just imagined Jesus as a real person going through real things. I just kind of thought of him as this very off distant person, but he brought it home to me and he started talking about Jesus um, being beaten and being whipped for a crime he didn't commit and the skin being ripped off his back and him having to, in the midst of his pain, carry this cross up this mountain of a skull and being pinned to this cross. It was so vivid and visual to me. I could, I, it was like I could see this happening to Jesus. And I remember him saying like, how dare you tough guys call my Jesus a punk? You know, like, look at what he went through. And then the preacher said, do you not know you've been bought with the price? And it just came to a head. It was like, wow. Jesus literally took all of this on his own back for me. touching the ground and saying, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. But 
one step led to another, which led to another. And, you know, I was back drinking and sleeping around with women. And the conviction that I was now feeling was so strong. And I remember driving on the highway, just thinking to myself, God, you gotta do something. Because if you don't do something, I, I, I might hurt myself or hurt somebody else. I don't know what's gonna happen, but just don't kill me. I get cut off by a truck, and my truck just starts tipping until it flips over and starts rolling fast. The glass is coming in, the windshield cracks. I'm not wearing a seatbelt at all, so I'm kind of floating around the car. And I looked myself over. There was just a piece of glass stuck in my arm. And I pulled it out, and that was it. I said, Lord, I need to get with you. I need you to change me. I need you to really make this real, and I need to stop running from you. I was genuinely trying to know him more and read my Bible and grow. And I really began to be a passionate Christ follower. But you set me free. Oh. I gave you no reason to give me new seasons, to give me new life, new breathing. Oh. But you hung there bleeding. You died for my lies and my cheating, my lust and my greed. What is a man that you mind for life? I realized you don't earn righteousness, that none of us is righteous, not even one, and that our works are like filthy rags to God. Powerful testimony, is it? It's Lecrae. So, um, it's your backup pastor for you again today. I'm going to get a t-shirt. I'm going to wear a t-shirt next week. It's going to say, backup pastor, I'm going to wear one. It's going to have number two on the back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, man. All right. Well, hey, you know, you know how I go with this and, and... I always tell you, I always pray. I'm, I, I know you're thankful for that. I always pray about, God, what do you want me to preach on? So I actually had this sermon a long time ago. It kind of came to me in different stages, but I just didn't feel right preaching it then, which was a few months ago. And the Lord uh, moved me. If, and I don't blame if you don't remember, but uh, I preached on the love of God. So the Lord's like, after you preach on the love of God, then you can preach on this. Because that's how I want it to go. And I said, all right. So, so after I preached on the love of God, that's when God gave me this thing and it all came together. And I want to preach to you on the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord occurs like uh, 30 times in the scripture. Um, love and fear are both motiv- motivators. They motivate us in different ways. Now, this picture of these people here, uh, they're motivated by stupidity, I think, <laughs> right? <laughs> but no, that's love, man. It's love. It's loyalty. It's loyalty there, right? That's what it is. That's the motivator. 
Now, there's another motivator. Of course, it's fear. You see, and that's also stupidity. <laughs> right? Running there? But that's uh, fear is a motivator of apprehension. But both are needed. Both are needed. They're, they're essential for your relationship with God. Love and fear. Now, first, I want to talk to you about what fear isn't. Because there's a lot of people, and you know, myself thought what fear was, and but uh, I want to talk to you first what fear is not. These quick things. Fear is is not just reverence and awe. Fear is not just reverence and awe. It is reverence and awe. Don't get me wrong. We should reverence the Lord. We should be in awe of Him. But that's not all it is. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 13, it says this, Therefore God also has highly exalted him, talking about Christ, and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. So that's everybody. That's saved, lost, dead, or living. All will bow. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, it's always said, if you don't confess Lord now, you will confess him as Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you both to, to will and to do of his good pleasure. And the idea there about working out, it's not that you're working out to be saved, you know, that you work to be saved. It says, therefore, God worked in you. So God works it in. He puts it in your heart. You got to work it out. That word is exercise. You, you got to work what's in here out here. You got to work what's in here out here. You got to work what's in here out there, your feet, so that you do and you go and you think and you're motivated by what God worked in. With fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. So it's not just reverence and awe. Second, it's not, it's not for God's amusement. It's not for God's amusement. Okay, God's not a bully. He doesn't enjoy putting fear in people. Oh, I think I'll get him a lightning bolt, you know. <laughs> it's not how God works. He doesn't, he's not like that. God just doesn't want us to cower in fear of him because he gets a kick out of it. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses nine, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any, any should perish. Saddam Hussein? Yeah. Hitler? Yeah. Not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God's a loving God. As, as Lecrae said, man, Christ died for you. He gave his all for you. Man, he went to the cross for you. So it's God, isn't, it's the fear of the Lord. It's not just because God takes good pleasure out of it. Okay? Third, the fear of the Lord is not a spirit of fear. Okay? It's not a spirit of fear. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. You know, there's this uh, couple songs going around really good about uh, fear is a liar. You ever heard that? Fear is a liar. 
That's an okay song. <laughs> That's a good song. It's a good song, right? Fear's a liar. I'm forced to listen to it at least twice a day. My, my wife, it loves that song, but that's a good song. But see, this, the, the fear of the Lord is not the same as the spirit of fear. That fear that overtakes you, that, that paralyzes you, that keeps you from doing what you know you should do. It, it keeps you bound and, it, and it, it keeps you from trusting the Lord. And, and, and you're afraid of what people will say, what people will do, or, or afraid of your own self. You know, just all kind of, it's, it's not God. That's not what he's talking about. It's not a spirit of fear. You know, there's healthy fear and there is unhealthy fear. Just like there's healthy love and there's unhealthy love. You ever been in a store and you hear some kid screaming about 10 aisles over? He doesn't have a healthy fear of his parents. That's what that is. I like to give them some healthy fear, right? <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got to put a chain around my wife when she hears that. <laughs> you can't say nothing. It's not your kid. So there's healthy fear and there's unhealthy fear, right? The spirit of fear, that's unhealthy. God wants you to have a healthy fear for him. You know, the word, the, the phrase fear not occurs 63 times in the Bible. The word be not afraid occurs 28 times in Scripture, right? So the difference is knowing, you know, what, what you should fear. Now, you remember the show Fear Factor? Remember you used to watch Fear Factor? Way a long time. I don't know how the Fear Factor is now or if it's even on, but way back, way back. There's, remember that? Oh, man, that's scorpions. Ah, Right? If scorpions is not your thing, how about snakes? Snakes your thing, maybe? Oh. But that's not what the fear of the Lord is. It's not, it's not like that. Okay. Now, what is the definition of fear of the Lord? Well, the fear of the Lord is this. The fear of the Lord is an awareness. That's, that's the key word there. Is an awareness that you are in the presence of a holy, just, and almighty God. And that he will hold you, and here's the second word, accountable. 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 For your motives, thoughts, words, actions. That's what the fear of the Lord is. An awareness and accountability. So I just want to talk to you briefly first about what the fear of the Lord is. And then get into why we should fear the Lord. Okay? Now, first of all, the fear of the Lord, as we saw in the definition, is, is being aware of what sin is or what is sin. Okay? The fear of the Lord is being aware of what is sin. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it's imperative that I understand what is sin, you know? Lying is sin. It's, it's a sin for you. It's a sin for me. Stealing is a sin. It's a sin for you. It's a sin for me. You know, that's why it's so important that for you to get into the Scripture, for me to get into the Scripture and read it every day, to take in the Word so that I understand what, what I need to do and how I need to live. Because I can't know if this is right or if that is wrong unless 
the scripture gives me that, that knowledge, that knowledge. Knowledge there, now, now in, in the Old Testament, this way the Hebrew is written, the, the language, words are very broad. While in the New Testament, many words are very narrow and they're specific. So in the Old Testament, words kind of overlap, but still the word here, knowledge, does have the idea of skill or learning. Okay? Uh, it's, it's a knowledge you acquire, like, you know, uh, let me give you an example. My, my, my warped sense of thinking, you know, I love to do pranks. I love to do pranks. Um, and there's all kinds of pranks I've done to my wife. And um, one of a really good prank, my knowledge of under, you know, understanding is um, pouring cold water over the shower curtain. <laughs> that is a good prank. That is a good prank. Okay? It's very effective. Very effective for what you want to accomplish. See? So that, that's, that's knowledge. Now, the second thing is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is knowing what sins have a hold on you. The fear of the Lord is knowing what sins have a hold on you. In Proverbs 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the, whole, of, of the Holy One is understanding. So not only is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge, but it's the beginning of wisdom, which is the idea of prudence. It's a word kind of used like uh, the ability to wage war. You, you might know that tanks can do this and planes can do that and men and women can do this. But having the prudence, the wisdom of how to orchestrate all that and know when those things come to play, that's wisdom. See, so throwing the glass of water over the shower curtain might be knowledge, but wisdom is knowing who not to do that to. Okay? Because some people will get an ice-cold pitcher of water out of the refrigerator and then crack some ice in it and then come to you and rip the curtain open and just throw it on you like that. See, but I, I wasn't too smart when I was young. Okay, so that's, so the, so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Man, what is sin? Okay, that's sin, that's sin, and that's sin, and that's wrong, and that will. And then the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, now what sins get a hold of me? What sins do I struggle with? What, what's, what am I dealing with right now? Okay. I've always told you, you know, you, man, you could, you could put down a keg of beer and put a tap in there. Is that what they call that? A tap? I know I'm looking at you, but I just know that you have known that. Not saying that you, all right, forget it. But anyway, right, you put that thing in there, right? Fill it up. You can get a big old jug or whatever. That, that doesn't tempt me at all. Because I never drank. I care less. You pull out marijuana and do whatever, all that stuff, drug. I never touched, never did that. That, that didn't tempt me. You can pull up a TV show. Well, that, that can get me. Something I, some, some TV shows I shouldn't be watching. You see? So, you, so wisdom is, the fear of the Lord is, know what gets me. What, what, what sins get a hold of my life? That's, that's what the fear of the Lord is. It's prudence. Third, the fear of the Lord is understanding that God will judge our sin. God will judge your sin. 
There's two key verses that, that as a young person, like I said, I got saved when I was around 11 and, and got into reading the Bible and Old Testament, New Testament, read it all. And, and so God was able to get stuff in my mind. And man, a verse that has always stuck with me of well, these two verses I'm going to talk about is Galatians chapter six, verse seven. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man or woman sows that they will also reap. You can't mock the Lord. You know, you can't, you can't, ah, I got you. I got one over on God. Uh, no, I'm, I'm afraid not. Oh, I got, man, I've been hiding this. God don't even know about this. Mm, I'm afraid you're wrong. Okay. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever person sows that they'll also reap. You know, and the fear of the Lord is there is, is to know that God is our judge. He is loving and he is gracious and he is kind and he is merciful. But he is a righteous judge, too. OK, you know, a, a good example of like what you uh, in that movie Courageous. You remember how that scene when the guy said, um, what kind of God would God be if a guy, if a man murdered somebody and when he came before the judge to say, well, Lord, I know I murdered them, but I did these couple good things over here. Shouldn't that outweigh what I did? And the judge said, yeah, you know, you did some good things in life. Hey, I'll let you go. What kind of judge would he be? Would he be a fair judge? Would he be a righteous judge to do that? And we say, no. Well, then God is even a greater judge and a, and a more righteous judge than that, that he cannot let sin go without somebody paying the price. The fear of the Lord is understanding that God will judge our sins. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, Paul says. We persuade men. Paul said, I know, I have a glimpse of what a lost person is going to face at the judgment seat of Christ. And when they look and, th and their eyes are, are open, they, they see that they are without a Savior and they were without a payment for their sin, the terror that comes across their face when God has to righteously judge them and say, depart from me. Paul says, having a glimpse of that picture it persuades, it gives us motivation to persuade men to trust Christ. It's a motivator for him. The terror of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. And then fourth, the fear of the Lord is a deterrent to forsake sin. A deterrent to forsake sin. The Bible says, in mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. You know, that, that fear in us is to help us to forsake those things that we know that are sin and that will get us. Now, the second verse that I learned when I was a young person that has come off in my mind many, many times is Numbers 20, uh, 32, 23. It says this. Well, here, let, let me, I'll set it up. You can leave it up there. So Joshua is bringing the people into the promised land. He, he, they come from the south over to the 
east, west, west, east, right? And they're going to come over and cross the Jordan River. The kings that were on that side, the other side of Jordan, it's called. Well, they, they, the, Israel just wanted to come on through. He said, we just want to walk through your land and come on over. They wouldn't listen. They came out and fought them. So they beat the kings, and now the land was open. And some of the tribes said, hey, look, Joshua, this is some nice land. We'll make a deal with you. We will go with you into the promised land. We'll cross the Jordan. We'll fight all the enemies of the Lord. We'll do everything you need, you need us to do. But when it's all said and done, we want to come back over to this side of Jordan and take this nice fertile land over here. And then that's when Joshua says to them. He tells them, okay, that's fine. We'll do that. But if you do, uh, if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Man, you know how many times that has rung in my head? In the midst of something I, had, I knew I had no business. And I tell you what, the fear of the Lord gripped my heart because I knew, be sure my sin was going to find me out. And it got me right. It's a deterrent. Now, in my crazy way, I want to tell you a story that's going to help you. I think why you need, when dealing with sin, why you need to uh, fear the Lord. It all starts with a little red wagon. A little red wagon. Back in the day, early 80s, Yes, I'm that old. In the early 80s, 10th grade, 81, 82, something like that, <clears throat> in Florida. Well, you know, we, man, when, when summer came, man, we kicked off the shoes. You know, we, we um, a lot of times as guys, you know, we just, our shorts, that was it, man. You know, it was all about getting a tan and, and having a good time. So that's, that's how it was, lived the summer like that. So I'm about 10th grade, 15 years old, something like that. And um, I'll go over to my friend Adam's house. And uh, I walk over to Adam's house, right down the road, over the way, over to Adam. There he is. He's outside in front of his yard, you know, and, and this is a suburb. So houses all around. And uh, he's got his sister's little red wagon. And he's got his dog, Kuma, which is a white German Shepherd mix. He's got a big, long metal leash wrapped around the handle. And he says, hey, Casey, watch this. And he gets inside that little red wagon, and he says, go, Kuma, go. And Kuma takes a little trot down, just down, about from here to the door. And he says, whoa, Kuma, whoa. And Kuma stops, and he gets out, and he turns everything around, and he jumps back in the little red wagon. He says, go, Kuma, go. And Kuma trots on down to his house again. Whoa, Kuma. Kuma stops. He says, pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. I'm like, hey, man, I got to try this. So he turns it around, and I climb in that little red wagon. I go, go, Kuma, go. And Kuma trots on down the road and gets, you know, to the, about 100 feet or whatever. I say, whoa, Kuma, whoa. And so then Kuma speeds up. <laughs> and I say, whoa, Kuma, whoa. And Adam behind me said, whoa, Kuma, whoa. And Kuma speeds up. 
And I was like, whoa, come on, whoa. And I hear Adam running. You hear his feet running. As he run up, run. He's saying, whoa, come on, whoa. And when Kuma hears him running, she takes off. She takes off. That dog runs as fast as she can. And I'm bouncing around in the back of the little wagon. Okay? Going down the road 100 miles an hour. <clears throat> well, I, first of all, I'm going, whoa, yeah, man. I'm out this is great, man. It's a blast. Until the intersection is coming <laughs> up ahead. Now, two, not only is it a problem it's an intersection, but it's only a two-way stop. And I got the stop sign. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, man, what do I do? And it kind of happens, we're just going along, and I thought, nah, she's going to slow down. I mean, we're, we're and, I, and Adam's good, he's done on the ground laughing. He's fell down laughing <laughs> so hard. And so I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Well, as she's going full speed, she cuts the corner, right, by the, the stop sign and, and goes and starts heading down Marshall Street. So I'm, I'm bouncing on, I'm like, man, I got to get out of this little wagon, man. I'm going to die. So I got three options, right? I stick my feet out and put my feet out. Oh, I, remember, I got no shoes. Yeah, I can't do that. Unless I want to walk on bone and I'm done, right? I thought, well, I could just jump. Well, if I like skin grafts, yeah, I could do that. The other thing I thought is, I, well, I could just throw the handle forward and hope that the chain will come off and I will just slowly coast to a stop. No, it would catapult me through the air, right? So I thought, uh, I, gotta, I gotta ride this thing out. So the next intersection's not too bad. Because the other side's got to stop signing. I'm, I'm okay. I'm clear to go. So we just breeze on through. And she, again, is going as fast. There is no, there's no, uh, it's, the, the chain is tension all the way. There's, it's not slack at all. She's running full speed. Because, see, she's free. She's she chained up in the yard. She's free. Well, the real problem now arises, and that is Marshall runs into Beachview, and it's a T. And Beachview is where right in front of me is Gardner's Beach. And Gardner's Beach was the place we went because we lived on the bay, so that was where everybody went. If you didn't want to go all the way on the island and face all that traffic and all that, man, that was just a hot spot. People came to Gardner's Beach. The main thing about Gardner's Beach and Beachview Drive is because it was a road that came off one bridge over here and bypassed all the traffic, traffic jam, and you go and follow all the way around to the other bridge and make your way over to Shalimar. So there's traffic going there, vroom, vroom, cars going by, vroom, vroom. And this dog is running as fast as it can. I'm thinking, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm gonna eventually going to have to bail. And then right, I'm telling you, I can't believe it, right at the curb, I mean, I was, I was right at that intersection, she cut the corner. And I thought, you know, through the grass. I thought, this is my chance, man. And I bailed. I just flailed out of that thing, me and that red wagon, little red wagon. 
Now, if you've ever been to Florida, you, you probably realize, or didn't, if you didn't know, that the, um, the, the state flower is the sticker burr, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, you see where I'm going with this? And out I jump into a patch of sticker burrs. Me and the little red wagon tumbling. And you're probably wondering what happened to the dog. I know exactly what you're thinking, right? The dog made it across the street. I didn't want her to, but she did. And there I lay. Now, why fear the Lord? Because sin is fun. Sin is fun. It wouldn't entice, you know, it wouldn't get us if it wasn't. You look at it and say, man, that's fun. Man, that looks so much fun. Man, they're having so much fun. But see, the fear of the Lord is for you to say, man, no matter how fun that looks, I know that is wrong. God does not want me to do that. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, By faith Moses, when he came of age and refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteemed the approach of Christ greater riches than the, pleasures, uh, than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward which he was going to get. So the, the passing pleasures of sin. I'm telling you, they come and gone. About 100 feet, it wasn't fun anymore. That first stop sign, it wasn't fun anymore. It lost its pleasure when I saw that I could get run over by a car. My, a good friend of mine, his brother, was riding a uh, little go-kart in the same kind of suburb we lived in, and he was driving down the road, and a car, a lady in a car backed out, didn't see him. He was too low. He's only this high like me. I was only about that high in the ground. He's 13 years old and killed him. So the fear of the Lord, because sin is fun, is to help you, deter you. Man, stay away. It looks fun, but you know what? It's not going to be fun after a while. Second, sin will deceive your mind. Sin will deceive your mind. <clears throat> well, man, Adam's doing it. You know, he, he's okay. It didn't run away on him. Oh, they're out there. My friends are out doing that. They don't seem like their sins coming out, catching up with them. Well, deceive your mind. Hebrews chapter 3 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in view an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Man, sin, sin will deceive you. It will tell you, oh, it'll be all right. It'll be okay. You can handle it. You can do it. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Everybody's doing it. You won't get caught. If your Lord says, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Sin will enslave your heart. Sin will trap you, addict you, control you. I was stuck in that little red wagon. I, I was stuck. To jump out meant, man, man, who knows what would happen to me if I jumped out of that thing. Pull me down the road 20 miles an hour, however fast that dog was going, as fast as it could go. 
ensnares you. You think, man, I can't get out of this, man. I can't. It's just a spiral going down, going down, going down. And you feel trapped because that's what sin does. It enslaves your heart. You know, a lot of times, you know, you know it's bad. You know it's, you know it's, you know it's, it's not, everything's crumbling. Your family's crumbling. Your job is falling apart. Everything's going. But you know, your heart is sold to that sin. It's enslaved to it. You know it's tearing up your life, but you can't get out of it. That's what it does. That's why the fear of the Lord. Man, this sin can find me out. And if God lets this sin come and judgment come, you see? That's why you need the fear of the Lord. Sin will separate you from God. It will take you where you didn't want to go, and it won't leave you the same way it found you. From start to finish was a quarter of a mile. A quarter of a mile that dog dragged me through almost three intersections. Sin will separate you from God. In Isaiah chapter 59, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he, he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. I tell you, when sin gets in your life and separates you from, from God, from the Lord, man, you lose the, the, the blessings of God, the direction of God, the protection of God, the influence as a Christian. And God says, man, the fear of the Lord will help you, deter you from being separated from your Lord. And you know what? Sin will entice you back. Sin will entice you back. You know, after all that, I mean, I was sitting there pulling out sticker burrs out of everywhere. Sticker burrs, sticker burr. I had sticker burrs everywhere. Remember, I probably didn't have, I, I think I didn't even have my shirt on. Remember, that was because I, I want to stand. So I had sticker burrs everywhere. He gets, goes, he goes, gets the kuma. We get his red wagon. It's all banged up, straightens up the handle and stuff. Want to go do it again? Yeah, let's go, man. Come on, let's go. <laughs> we go back. I'll run along next to you. Yeah, sure, Adam. Right? But that's what, that's what it does. That's what sin does. It entices you. It draws you back. Man, after all the tragedy and the, what it does destroys your life, we, we go back to it. And that's where the fear of the Lord, can you say, nah, man, no. Nah. God already let my sin come to me. I'm, I'm, that sin already found me out once. I'm, I'm not going to do that again. James 1 verse 14 says, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. I love when Jesus said, when he talks about them, about, you know, about putting away the world and all those things and, and not looking back, he says, remember Lot's wife. It's one sentence he says, remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife. Or they took them away. All the, the wickedness is going on and all the things. And, and that, that, um, city, whatever, and, and their lifestyle of wickedness and debauchery caused so much pain to his family. And yet 
she couldn't help but look back, and that's that look back of, man, I'm going to miss it. You see? Sin will entice you back. But, you know, the remedy is simple. The remedy is very simple, believe it or not. Just like Lecrae said, in Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Proverbs 22 says, by the humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Boy, you want your life back? You humble yourself before the Lord, confess your sins and what sins have got a hold on you, and man, then you forsake them. You forsake them. You turn your back on them. Say, I ain't going that way, man. I got too much fear of God. I'm not going to get back in that again. I'm not going to let that stuff take me. I'm not going to let them drag me down that road. I'm getting away from that. And God will give you strength. God will give you grace. God will give you power. But he's waiting for you to make that move, to make that decision up here. Well, really, it's right here. God, I want your help. Just like, just like Lecrae said, and he turned to the Lord. And God, help us to have a healthy fear of God in our lives that, that keep us away from those things that would damage us and, and destroy us and help us to motivate us to see how much Jesus loves us and gave himself for us that we'd serve him in these last days. Amen. Let's go Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for... Your, your grace and your patience, Lord, how much, you've, how much you've forgiven me, Lord, for what I've done and, and had mercy on me, Lord, when I came to you. Giving me strength to forsake that which I know was a stumbling block and a sin to me. I thank you, Lord, that you, I always say you're a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Help us, Lord, to have, a, again, a good, healthy fear of God in our lives. Bless the mission uh, team that's there in Belize. Lord, I pray you just protect them and guide them to the souls and the individuals that you'd have them to minister to. Keep them safe, I pray, and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.